This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have an outstanding conversation that is getting ready to happen. I am I am foreshadowing that because this guy has already proven himself multiple times over in the insurance industry, specifically in InsureTech, and he is back at it again. We're going to talk with Kabir Syed. He is the founder and CEO of Enable. And if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard plenty about my good friend, Mr. Ryan Deeds and his involvement with this organization. And you know what? We got sick of hearing Deeds. So we just decided to go to try and talk to the man himself. So we reached out and talked to Kabir to bring him on and talk about his vision for what he has, you know, out there now, where he sees it going, kind of some things that are in the works and some of the updates and stuff that maybe you haven't heard since the last time that uh, we had Ryan on. And so before we get too cranked up, in, in talking about Enable itself, Kabir, why don't you just give our audience just a brief overview as to sort of your background and, and how you got to where you're at today with Enable, and then we'll we'll jump right in. Thank you, David and Kyle. Um, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to connect with you guys here. You guys are legend in the agency space. So I am very, very accidental in being an entrepreneur. I still do not consider myself an entrepreneur. Um, I only know one industry, and that's insurance brokerage, not just insurance at large, just brokerage and distribution. I started my career uh, with Johnson & Higgins right out of business school um, a month and a half before it was acquired by Marsh. And, you know, when a big company acquires another big company, last in, first out, lethal. And uh, that's what my fear was. And I just joined this company, giving up offers from uh, FedEx and uh, um, Motorola. So I was pretty scared. And I, you know, that was 1997, March, 1997. Mm. And I stayed there for 19 years. Mm. Um, It was a fantastic training ground for me. They didn't know what to do with me, but I had great mentors and great managers who let me try everything and everything, uh, uh, anything at Marsh. Um, I had 14 different roles in my 18 and a half, 19 years at Marsh. Wow. Um, yeah, finance, operations, uh, sales, marketing, strategy, technology, it's it like all over the place. Mm. Um, so that's why I say everything I know in insurance, both good and bad, I know from Marsh because I they let me learn, right? It doesn't happen anymore. I mean, think of your organization and ours. If if we see people who don't do things, we are like, well, I don't have the time. I can dedicate X, Y, Z time. But I don't have the time to nurse in for 19 years. It's not going to happen. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. So I was very, very lucky. Um, and I played with data. So I've never sold a policy. Uh, never coded anything, but I'm lucky to have played with data. Uh, I look at data and they created a lot of stuff for Marsh with the help of the technology group. And I had an idea where we said, look, the biggest problem today in insurance 
and this was in 2010, 2008. The biggest problem in insurance is the company that insures the risk, underwrites the risk, does not know what else they can underwrite unless you tell them as an agent or broker, what do you have? That's the biggest black hole. They know it's a trillion dollar market and they know David's company, Florida Partners has, let's just say, $150 million of premium. They just don't know, is it in personal lines? Is it in commercial? Which industry is it in? What product do they have? They have absolutely no idea. The only way they know that is if they take you out for lunch or they play golf with you or they visit your office, which they see on your whiteboard. So the point was, if we really want to streamline, why don't we just show the carrier what we have? You know, what was the first reaction for our people? Why would we give our book of business to a carrier? <laughs> so my point was, do we underwrite? We don't. So why not show it to them and say, do you want to underwrite? Because guess what our job is to say to a client? Roomba, we represent the client as a broker. An agent represents the carrier. So if our role is to say, I'm going to advise you on how much to buy and what uh, terms and conditions you need to buy under, why not get the best set of deals to the table so that the end customer has a choice and you have a better array of things? Um, but that was very, very tough to do. So that was the initiation of where I got into being an entrepreneur. And Marsh made a lot of money. Aon makes a lot of money. So does the top five. They're providing carriers, not with the list of names. They're saying, here's what I have coming up. Plan which office do you want to go to? Plan which person you want to meet? Plan how much you want to dedicate resources? It's actually completely flip of what... 34,000 brokers are doing other than the five. Uh, and it made it, to, and carriers were happy to pay for it. And my point was, can we take this as a separate company and then set it up? And that wasn't totally, uh, you know, Marsh wasn't up, up to it at that point because it's not their business model. So I left to start a company called Risk Match. If you see the name, Risk Match was essentially to say, can I match what risk is there with the agent or broker with a carrier? Um, we didn't do much in matching of risk, but we did a lot in analytics because the broker was not willing to give the book to the carrier. So that's how I started in, uh, in insurance and how I became an entrepreneur. And I personally feel entrepreneurs are, they can move from industry to industry. I just stick with one industry because that's what I know. Yeah, I think you point out something, though, that is pretty common even, even today because it's been a few years since you launched Risk Match. Agents don't want to give information. We want everything. We are the yeah, most fickle group of say. people on the face <laughs> of the earth. We want information from everybody, but we don't want to give it back in return. Right. And, and it's funny because, you know, you bring that up about giving them, you know, talking to them about data and lists and, and who you're working on and whatever else. And, and it's funny to me because we literally just had our rep from Philadelphia in here you know, an, an hour and a half ago. And that's exactly what we talked about was, look, let's, let's, let's give you what we've got. Let's give you our market Intel. Here's the raw opportunities. These are the things we're going to go after. And you know what? I'm thinking the whole time I was saying that to him, how many people who sit in my chair would be as open with sharing the information is what I am. And maybe, maybe that's a fault of mine, but I feel like far too many people in the insurance industry as a whole operate from a position of scarcity as opposed to a position of abundance. And we can't get better if we don't collaborate with other people. In my mind, you have to have accountability. You have to have people who will challenge you and push you to be just one step better than you were before. And we have to take the first step. So that's one of the things I like about what you've sort of done with Enable, because to me, the way I understand it from talking to Deeds about it as much as I have, you've got a dashboard at this point. You can figure out what are those what are those things that are important to the carriers? That's number one. What are the things that are important to our clients? What do our clients want to know about us? How much do we need to communicate with them? What are the things that are important to our other vendors or the other people that are stakeholders in our operation? 
And then finally, what what are the things that are most important to our team, to our producers, to our service staff and all of that, that they need to be able to measure and articulate on a regular basis. And again, when it comes to information, most of the time that email comes into the agency principal or the, the snail mail comes into the agency principal and it's game over. You know, it, it never gets past there. And they wonder why they're stagnant. They wonder why they don't maximize their profit. They wonder why it's difficult for them to get into a niche or identify a niche. And the reality is, you know, worst case scenario, you're dealing with, you know, 35, 40,000 agents out there. There are still an abnormally large number of them that don't even have an AMS, let alone anything else. They're operating off of spreadsheets if we're lucky. So how how do you think... Um, you know, this is probably the most challenging question that I will ask you all day, but how do you think Enable is poised to make a difference in the insurance industry, knowing how slow it seems many of us are to adopt technology, number one? That's the first part. The second part is you also have a subset that's overly aggressive in adopting technology, and they may be more dangerous to the industry than the ones who don't adopt it at all. Because they want to go out and sign up for everything they see at a conference, never use it, and then blame the software or the product for why it didn't work as opposed to the fact they bought something they, A, shouldn't have bought or that they bought and never were committed to. So how are you posed to be able to come in and drive change in the industry knowing that that's what you're dealing with? So one company can't change. Our problem is not change because of technology. Insurance industry doesn't lack technology. It lacks the process and the cultural aptitude to say, I'm happy to make a process change. That is where our first problem is. Um, we adapt and adopt a lot of technology, but we go for, I need a tool. Because I saw that if you get to $4 million, I have to do this. If I get to $20 million, I have to have these things. And if I get to 100 here are the sets of things. What we forgot to do is, what do I get out of it? We've forgotten that because it's like saying, hey, you know, if I'm making $100,000, I have to wear a nice watch. And then when I go to make a million, I need to drive a nice car. And when I make $5 million, I need to have a jet. That doesn't make <laughs> any difference. right? Or it make, doesn't make sense. What, what we are saying is, look, as you will grow, but as you grow, think of your process and your data. And your process has to generate more data, and your data has to eliminate the steps you're doing. So these th two things feed off each other. However, what we have done with technology today is, I want a tool, and I want the tool to adapt to my process, which means I'm going to add more manual steps, and the data is not connected. So we have taken it the complete opposite way of what technology is supposed to do for our industry. Because guess what people say to me? I have done this for 40 years. I don't forget about what we do, any <laughs> technology. And I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. I'm just saying, why don't we eliminate the things that, are, that you're doing over and over again so that you can focus on being a great client advisor. You can focus on placing it and advising it better. So we haven't done that as an industry. So that's the first uh, biggest part is our cultural barrier to saying no. And so that's one part. The second part is we don't seem to have in, in our industry, we rely on the AMS as a source of truth. AMS is very important. But what, I, what we have not recognized is as we have grown over decades to do different things and different products, we can't seem to find the AMS keep up with all the data that is being generated by our clients, by our carriers, by our partners and our apps, where are we going to put that? And, and there's nothing wrong because AMS is supposed to do one thing, but it can't become your system of record. That's what I'm trying to say. Because you have your uh, external app completely different. You have your conversations uh, different. Unless you're sending something to the client, it's sitting in your email. You have to log the email. So think of all the steps we have created with technology. This is just one thing. Oh, I have a CRM. Well, I have to get Salesforce to connect to my whatever AMS. And then I, I can't go back and forth. So we have not connected those things and it can't accommodate everything. 
So what are we left with? We are left with hobbling together. I need a tool here. I need a tool there. I need this tool, that tool, because we want to do things faster. And we are adapting those, adopting those tools. But we haven't come to a point where we say, look, I can spend all time and money. What I'm going to not get is either time or money back. <laughs> so we're not seeing the result from it. And we don't seem to think, well, it's not good because everybody does it. So I should do it. Hmm. Yeah, I I think it also boils down to the fact, and we were talking about this on the last podcast, and I'd be interested in your thoughts because you've seen way more uh different way way more operations than what I have. But I think a lot of these agencies don't even have a process to begin with. There's nothing to change. <laughs> like there's nothing to alter. It's well, that's the way we've always done it. Well, why have we always done it that way? Well, nobody knows. The agency's been in business for 50 years, and I was just told that's how we've always done it, the way that it it, it moves in. And I'm not gonna share the ham story, Kyle, because I always share the ham story <laughs> when I when I do this. But um I I just think that part's intriguing as well. We're in an industry that has plenty of capital injected into it at all times. There's no reason to be slow in moving from any and from point A to point B in anything if if it's money related because we got plenty of money. I think it's mindset across yeah. the board. And I think what really blows my mind, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's because people grew up in this industry and this is all they've ever known. And and that's why I can tell you when. When I was running even grocery stores, I had total PL responsibility, man. I had I had to do my budget. I had to, to do all the human resources related stuff. I had to handle safety and risk management. I had to manage profitability. I had literally total profit and loss responsibility. So for me, I have to have reports. I have to have data. It's really, really easy for me to make a management decision if I have the numbers, if if what I need to see to make my decision is able to be produced and in front of me, I can make decisions very quickly for the business and continue making forward progress. If I don't even have the ability to get the information, how am I running my company? You know, it's kind of like eyeballing it, right? I worked in an agency that literally didn't have financials audited after seven or eight years, didn't have um, a management system at the time. And I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, how do you, how, how are we operating? Like, where's the budget? How come I've never seen a budget? Are we literally running this place based off of what the deposit yeah. receipts say are in the bank account? Like, how does this even happen? It's like the equivalent um, of, of 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 not checking the yardage from the fairway and just pulling a club out of your bag and yeah, and, and I, seeing... I, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. But but here, here's here's the good part, right? So there are over 30,000, 29,000 agents who are over a million dollars in revenue. You might think it's not much, but starting from zero to a million dollars, it's pretty good for these folks. What what has happened is look. There's so much demand in insurance that they are not worried about generating the next dollar, the next dollar. What they're going to see is after you reach a certain amount, the next dollar that you have to get, it gets tougher because they're bigger clients. They're going to ask for things. And that's where people get stuck. So the point I'm trying to make is, look, it's easy to start an be an insurance agent or broker initially when you're small. As you keep growing, the next dollar becomes more expensive for you to get. And part of the thing, we have, we have some clients where we give them and say, here's what you have. And they're just shocked. They're shocked that they use 150 carriers and 30 wholesalers. We're not saying don't use wholesalers. We are saying use five, 10, pick your number, pick some number and stick with that. Pick a number. Why do you need 30 carriers for Bob? How about 10 of them? Why do you need 180 carriers? You're not in 180 industries. Why do you need 180 carriers? So we need to say what as, you know, we start as entrepreneurs, but we are chasing the dollar and saying we are expanding everything that is there because, oh, I don't have a process control for my agent. He or she can place anywhere. There is no other industry where it's part of it is our fault as brokerage. And I would put the rest of the blame on the carriers because you want to uh, 
place business with the carrier, first you have to get appointed and the carrier assesses you. Why? A dollar from you is the same as a dollar from me. So why not get a dollar from me? What, how difficult is it for you to appoint us? So that's the first one. Second is after you're appointed, you've got to send a submission that is defers by every product, every carrier. And you got to either use their PDF, which makes it a problem for the insured, because those PDFs are scanned a thousand times. Why couldn't you have come up together as an industry and say, hey, we'll make it easy. Let's just make it easy for you to give us business. I don't go to Amazon. I don't go to buy a jet to say, I need a form from here. I need to buy a different service that has an electronic form that I use and I, it can't integrate and I send it to you and you're going to send me by email back. It doesn't make sense to me. So overall, we haven't thought of it from the point of view of how can I make it easier to sell from, for, as a broker or for a carrier? How do I get easier intake of your data? Bo both sides of it. It is changing, but we are being pushed to change. And I'm like, well, nobody likes to be pushed to change because we are going to falter as we are pushed to change quickly. Do you think that like along those same same lines with 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 the change and what we talked about earlier with businesses that have been you know agencies that have been around for 40 50 years and this is just always how we've done it and and like everybody my age and even David's age like we grew up with the technology and you would think that agencies are going to continue to progress and make those changes but like, it, I mean, is it just as simple as that? Like, we, we just have to wait till everyone ages out. And then it's like, I mean, seriously, though, like, that's kind of what it seems like for, you know, from my perspective. It's a yes and a no. You're absolutely right. So there are some very large brokers in the top 10 where half of the producers are aging out and they mm -hmm. do not want to use. And these are multi-billion dollar companies. So if they have a problem, you think... Kabir's brokerage or Kabir's agency or Kyle's agency and whatever town is, is going to say no. Mm. I would say actually the smaller agency has much more of a chance to radically change than the bigger one. The reason is the owner is the one who's driving the impetus and is also the producer most of the time, the largest producer. Mm -hmm. So people follow who is producing the most or who owns the most. As you go to larger companies, they can't change on a dime because they have so many system problems. And then they have 80 people who manage $10 million each. So they're not going to rock the boat. So I think on the smaller uh, uh, end, it's much easier to change. But however, having said that, nobody focuses on the million-dollar uh, agent. And that's where the problem is. They all focus on elephant hunting. And I'm like, every small step you take, it's good. Every small uh, change you make is good. For example, why can't any company, inc including Enable, why can't we offer something for a smaller agent? So if you're a million-dollar agent, which means you make about $150,000, $200,000 in income, what is the price point to do this thing for a $200,000? You have to be sub $5,000 for anything, almost anything, if you have to do this, make it... Uh, but what they're struggling with today is not just data, but also the processes. So we have to decide as an industry, do we focus on data and process, merge it together and then give it? Or do we partner and create a different revenue model? The, to the revenue model today is you pay for technology upfront and you get a commission back from a carrier, which is delayed when it displaces. Can we merge those two to say, how about the tech stack is free and somebody else who's making most amount of money. Well, the carrier has bigger pockets. Can the carriers pay for it? But that's what they do for aggregators, just not for individual agents. And that's where the gap is, I think. Huge gap. We have not looked at it to say, why can't I create a broker tech in a box? Pick any AMS, pick any uh, CRM. Here's what it is. You own the carrier, you own the commission, you own everything else. There's no model that exists today for that, for smaller agents. They used to be captive, but this is like an independent captive where you don't own, you pay for something that you access. Because ultimately, that's the best part, right? Why do you think people go to the largest brokers? Because they're full of losses. The ones at the bottom end are pretty much owner-owned businesses. <laughs> that's who the independent agent is writing. 
they are better than the very large businesses which are full of losses. And I carry the figure that out. Hmm. Yeah, I think that if I were looking to grow in in the insurance segment, that million dollar to to two million dollars in agency revenue is probably an easy place. I don't want to say easy in terms of easy to shift the way people think and driving change. But if you can do that, the amount of organic lift that those agencies would get by simply having data at their fingertips and being able to make educated decisions, I I think you would see pretty rapid growth in some of those. Number one, I think the other thing that it would do is it would help agencies to, and I'm not saying that that agencies don't pay attention to their financials. I just don't know that they pay as much attention as they should. But we're at a point right now where we have an aging population of agency principals who did not do a good job of succession planning. They're not forward thinking in tech. They're got tons and tons of paper, which makes them not attractive to the, the the usual suspects that are out making acquisitions, you get a, a younger, more entrepreneurial, and not even necessarily younger, I wouldn't even throw that in there, but a, a more entrepreneurial agency principal that understands the power of data and how having it in an organized format empowers you to make better decisions faster, those people are going to scale their agencies at an even faster rate because they're going to be able to find those opportunities where they can easily plug in their processes and systems and make change relatively quickly. I, I just think that that we're at a point now where we're going to see it's just going to be way more competitive to be acquired than what it has been, number one, because that landscape's definitely changed. And number two, I think that it's going to be a lot more competitive out on the streets too, because if you don't know what you described at the very beginning about how Marsh and Aon and Willis and all of them look an account, they try and determine, okay, who are the, who do we want to meet? Who, what carriers do we want to go to? What's our budget of services and this, that, and the other, that is completely foreign to the overwhelming majority of agencies out there. It's not foreign to me because that's how we operate. We operate that way in the middle market. We understand that in order for us to go in and maximize the profitability of our book, we have to make some level of investment in loss control services outside of what we get for free from the carrier because we're going in and dealing with people who have workers' comp issues a lot of the time. That's one of the things that we lead with. So knowing we have to make that investment, knowing we have to have that conversation about each individual account as we bring it on. Is it cumbersome? Yeah, it probably would be if we were putting 500 new accounts on a year. But when you're operating in middle market business, you don't have that kind of velocity. You can afford to have those conversations in a one-off basis. But we're at a point now at an agency where at renewal, when new business comes on, and the fact that I'm not spending as much time right now traveling as what I have been, We're going to have those one-off conversations on every account that comes in. What would be nice and what you have the ability to do is put that in a nice organized format so that when I log into my system, I can see those KPIs or those indicators that I want to be reviewing on a regular basis. And I don't have to wait until an end of the month report or an end of the quarter report to, to figure out what happened. I can make my decisions in real time. So very, very aptly said, David. So Having seen this, and we have a lot of uh, uh, smaller agents and brokers on our platform, we actually moved our friend Ryan Deeds into actually telling each agency and broker, here are the five ways you can make money. Here are the five revenue management and commission management. And we are saying, these are the only levers you have, unless you go more net new the way to cross-sell, which accounts, why you need to do it, how do you manage carriers? So he's got into a new role, which is advising agencies. And that's his KPIs. Did you help an agent sell more? Did you help an agent get more commission? Did you help an agent create uh, uh, change the process that saves amount of time? Those are the three KPIs for him. So that's one part. Because we saw it's easy to tell people at the top end, but not at the bottom end. So we need somebody dedicated to it. 
So that's one where we have invested money and resources to, and we are expanding the team on that side. The second part, if you think of two aspects that are changing, and you see this in a slowly creeping in, one is technology and how technology is changing the underwriting. You know, it's easier to underwrite now, faster to do it than before. And that will creep up faster. So that's one way which will impact brokers. The second part is there's a very slight underlying shift which is happening, which is on the carrier underwriting side, instead of paying when there is a loss, they're trying to go from the philosophy of pay, payment for loss to I'm going to help you mitigate that before it happens because it's profitable for them. It's slowly happening. It's happened in cyber and it's going to other places. Guess who underwrites today, pre-underwrites for the carrier? It's every agent and broker because we go and collect. We say it's X, Y, Z. We advise them on loss control. We advise them on safety and everything else. What do you think is going to happen 10 years from now? That entire pre-underwriting is going to be the broker's mainstay. We have taken over because remember, we are the client relationship guys, right? We are the trusted advisor. So you think the carrier is going to do this for every account? No, they're going to put that burden on us squarely. So that pre-underwriting will become very, very big component of our whole job. Today, we think it's advising, but that pre-underwriting is going to become a bigger component than just advising. And we need to get prepared for that, right? Because we have the intelligence and the knowledge for it. We just haven't made it scalable to do it for, David can do it for five clients, 10 clients. Can he do it for 150 clients? Can't, because we don't have the scale for it today. The only way you can grow is have 100, 200, 300, 500 clients. So we need that scale at this point. There is no way you can scale other than just adding a body or using technology for it. When you talked about these KPIs, what percentage of agencies are hitting all three of those when Deeds goes out and is like, are you doing X, Y, and Z? So I can tell you they don't hit any one of those three because they're not looking at it that way. They are focused on production, but it's only net new. And we say, okay, net new, let's look at the ones where you're growing fast and what products do you have? Not just chase anything. So if you have 15, 20, 30 industries, you seem to have sold more products or policies in this particular segment. Now you have two choices. Let's look at everyone that is similar to this kind of a client or completely different from it. And it's a choice that you have to make. Do you want to go after more? Because every agency says they're number one in construction. We can't have 30,000 number ones in construction, right? So we need to think. So we advise them on that to say, choose a niche, pick three niches, five niches, and go after them very hard. Because you'll have to go and say, I want to be part of a, a COI, which is there. I want to send things which are relevant to that industry. Otherwise, we're just jack of all trades. And then you mm -hmm. don't have a barrier to movement. You need to create the barrier to movement as companies grow. And that's what you have to do from the start. Otherwise, you lose a client in two, three, five years' time. Uh, so that's one part, he says. The second part is he looks at, are you going direct to a carrier? Very, very important. And what I mean by direct to a carrier is if you're riding with Chubb, travelers, it doesn't matter, pick any carrier, Hartford, are you going directly? And what's your commission management there? You say you have a deal with them for 13%. Did you get 13% on 80% of your deals? Nope, you didn't. Because I can tell you even without looking now. So that's the first aspect. Second aspect is if you're going via somebody else, this is what you're losing. Now, you should go via somebody else if you don't have the expertise, don't have the appointment, or this is something that you have never done. So I get it. But you know what? how big that scope is? Either you should get out of an industry where you don't have, but you're getting a lot of deals, or have a better deal with these uh, wholesalers and MGS to do it. But you can't have the scope to say, I, I started with five and then I have 10, I have 25 and I have 50. At 10 million, 100 million, even at 100 million, you do not need 50. The reason I say that is this happened even at the largest brokers. And one of the projects that I did uh, uh, when I was there for a larger companies, 
There used to be 80 wholesalers. They shrunk it down to five from a billion dollars to $250 million. Now think about it. They saw the uh, leakage in commission. If they need to do it, we need to do it much faster than them. And they have every kind of access to a carrier, every kind of uh, expertise. They still said it happened because it's like, well, I'm, Tabir is my friend and he is with uh, whatever wholesaler. He takes me to the Zurich open or this open, that open. He takes me to great steak dinners. Great. Give him everything that you need in that bucket. But you can't because you're losing four, five, six percent. Our only revenue model is commission from a carrier. If you have a different revenue model, I totally get it. But today we make our money, 99% of our money is coming from a carrier commission. The carrier does not even know that you are the, uh, the broker on it. Because for them, it is the wholesaler who gave, you, who gave them that business, not you. So we need to be careful to say, how many intermediaries are we using to get to the carrier? But at this point, we don't even know because we don't see the premium path. How is it traveling for me as Florida risk partners to the Chubb, the wholesale, uh, to any other carrier? So very important for that. Um, and the second part is, look, if you're writing a lot in a given industry, start a program. Because as a broker, you'll get 12 to 15%. If you have a program, you're going to get over 20% right there. It is easier. There's never been a better time to start a program than today. I think that that's a really good point too, man, because, you know, I don't know how many people out there have ever gone about trying to establish a program, but there's one thing you definitely have to have data. Like if you're going to put a program in place, they want a lot of data. They want to know loss ratios in way beyond just loss ratios. So I do think it's an interesting point. And again, for those agencies that are in that one to five million range, that's when you're starting to find yourself a little bit. You're starting to see some patterns, some trends. I just think even looking at it from a potential niche identification standpoint, that, that having the ability to slice and dice is huge. But those are the agencies that at some point are going to realize, you know what, I write like 10 or 15 of these. It might be worth having a conversation with one of my partners to see if this is even feasible, is this something we want to go after and then start that conversation? But to your point, we're in, in the hardest market many people have been in at this point, And yet it's still a great time to go after program business and starting programs because you truly are best in class if you're able to go down that road. And that's who the underwriters really are, are looking for right now, because you can only tighten up the underwriting box so much. You can only restrict yeah. your geography so much. At some point, you still got to put top line revenue on the books. And that's a great way to do it. Yeah. So here's a great example, right? We look at a broker's book of business and say, did you grow or become larger because of sales efforts, because of rate rise or commission rise? Which one did? Because that's where you have to put more money and, and put, and they're like, what do you mean? I said, did you get more net new? Or did you just move your current business from one carrier to the other? Book roll. Where did you make more money? Or did the client buy more? And rate increase mean like Florida, right? You own a house, instead of paying $5,000, you pay $15,000. That's a rate increase. You didn't do anything for it. That will change. Maybe it'll take one year, two years, that'll change. Or did you get in more new clients? If the rate has increased so much, you are not going to get many new because there's no reason for them to move from their current broker. So let's look at the second bucket. Did somebody buy a higher limit, which means your commission is the same, the premium is higher, right? So we are saying, hey, it came from there, which means you didn't have to pay anybody anything. You actually paid your producer for it, but he or she did not do any work. It's the, you know, the... Client wanted more, and that's where you got it. Now, that's the last bucket is, hey, the commission was 12%. I got 15%, or I got 20%. You got to look around. We are very happy that I placed with the same carrier for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and we never look around. And my point is, we have to look around because you never know how terms have changed and where there's more capacity and somebody wants to have. There, there have been cases where, Carriers have come and looked at a book of business for brokers. We have a set of brokers, uh, the insurance group in Texas. Carriers come and looked and say, 
I'll take that slice and I'll pay you eight, per, eight percentage points more for the same amount of business. So why not do it? Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a change, right? What am I going to tell my existing carrier? Well, we are not in a business of philanthropy, right? We are in a business of growing. So let's just say it very openly to, I have somebody who's offered me X. So let's go with that. Or you offer me in some other, some other place. That is the whole job of being a broker. Your job is to get more from what you have and grow the book of business. And it's not with just one carrier for the next day. I'm not saying don't sit with the carrier. I'm just saying when they are better, not every year, because that gives you a different problem, right? But every three years, every five years, every 10 years, pick a number and just look at that very, very carefully. So what's on the horizon for Enable? What are you most excited about over the next six to 12 months? We are doing two things. One is, so what we're good at is data, extraction, enrichment, and you don't even have, it's so cheap now, we pretty much give it away kind of thing, right? We can buy any amount of data and say, here's everything in your systems, don't even look at leads, we'll buy all these leads, not a problem. So that part we are uh, going deeper into, more systems, more data points, very specific to an industry. The part that we are, we have done very well this year has been the last mile, which is how do I take this data and give insights before you t- go down a path, which is which carrier to place with, you know, who or when to place it, things like uh, insights, which industry, how, what products and things like that, where we are, and that we have done a very good job and, and all of it is customizable. Where we are going next year is if you think about it, most of the data that we extract is all structured. Actually, all the data today that we extract is structured. But most of the data that we uh, in agents and brokers have is all unstructured. It's sitting in documents. It's sitting in a file. It's sitting in a binder. It's sitting in a policy. So we have started looking at that very carefully. And for the past eight months, we have trained our LLM, which is the AI model, to say, look at insurance. Tell me which carrier I should write with. Tell me what should I ask. What is the limit? Because if I bought a million dollars of limit and let's say umbrella was uh, cheap, I can sell another a million dollars, but I need to know which ones have a million dollars. So like extract the limit. So I can advise to say you should get two million and tell me which carrier and how cheap it is. So we have looking at extracting from all of these documents and making it available. So you can say, here's what I can advise the client. Here's what I can place with which carrier and make it very easy. So that part, instead of having, look, it's not like nobody's doing it now, but then it's another dollar you're paying to somebody else, another platform that you have to log into, another service that you have to use. We are like, let's just bring it inside that. So that's one part that we will double down on. And the second part is to place directly from the platform. Because guess what happens? You have have something the producer sends, to the CSR. The CSR will go into each portal and then type it in and wait for it to come back. You're like, why can't, give us your producer codes. We'll just send it to the same carrier and the carrier will give you your codes, codes in one place. Technology can do that today. So we're saying, can we embed? We're not going to build it. We're just going to partner with somebody who says, I can do this at scale. It's like Costco is not making your tight detergent. They're just going to buy it in bulk and give, uh, sell it to you. We're doing the exact same thing, partnerships with different companies to say, can I help you place from one platform? Can I help you get certificates of insurance from one platform? Can I help you go and get leads in one platform? So different things so that you start using one platform more and more and more. Because we don't have money to throw around, right, as agency. Again, a million dollars, five million dollars, nobody has money to throw around. Let's just make it easy. Cool. What have we missed, man? I mean, we have been beaten data to death. What What do you want to get out there that we haven't talked about yet before we wrap up, Kabir? I would say to uh, us, right, we need to address producers and CSRs. You can't do all three things the best in your company. Pick one which you want to do today, and then in two years' time, do the next one. Because there's no company that is great at a product, great at service, and great at technology. It's very difficult. There's a lot of money to be thrown. So pick one and focus on that and get everybody behind that. If you're going to focus on sales, automate sales. And what I mean by automating is 
lead generation and then which carriers to write. Give it to the carrier so that you have a code before you go. This is the, one of the simplest things. If you give a carrier a pro, uh, uh, that here are the companies that I'm going after, they will block it. What do you think wholesalers do today? They do the exact same thing, which is reserve it, and then nobody else goes to it. And they're partnering with you, but they have to know they're partnering with you. So that's one thing to say, do the whole chain from start to finish on sales. The next thing is like, hey, I have my CSRs have to do all this work, document that and see where can I use technology so that they don't need to do the 82 different steps they're doing. Because you can't, unless you document it, you're like, well, she does it this way, Kabir does it one way, and then Carl does it another way. Make it the same and take out the 10 things. Even the 10 things taking out is amazing. And then third part is like say to the carriers, I want you to invest in me because this is going to get you more and faster. It's not necessary that we have to invest everything by ourselves. There are carriers who will pay for this, who will help you as you're growing because they'll see your intent on making this better. I think it's going to be an exciting time in the insurance industry here over the course of the next couple of years, man, because we're finally getting to a point where acquisitions have slowed down. The market's hard, so people are being forced to be involved in the agency more, be involved with their clients and prospects more. I would argue as far as the flow of new business and retention, agency principals are going to have their fingertips on the pulse of their agency. Like they've not had it in a long, long time. The problem is so many of them are going to be flying blind because they don't have the tools that they need. And, and it's not even that they're just flying blind for those that do have tools. They're not operating at the efficiency they need to be able to operate at. One of my biggest gripes about the insurance industry is the fact it's like trying to do a 180 with a cruise boat. Like it's just not going to happen. It's not. Yeah. It's going to take forever for you to get that thing turned around and going in the right direction with any kind of momentum. And that's why I do feel like so many of us that are into that one to five million in revenue range are really poised to take some market share from the bigger agencies that cannot pivot at the way that we pivot. Or, you know, if we do need to look at making some investments in our infrastructure and our tech stack. We can make those decisions without having to go to shareholders or boards of directors to get approval to do that. There's just a lot of things that I, I look at it like this, man. I mean, probably not the best example in the world, but if you think about it, it is kind of similar. I feel like the average independent agencies like the American militia during the Revolutionary War and the establishment is, is the British Empire, right? It's the way things have always been done. We're just going to march you down until you can look us in the whites of the eyes. We're going to pull out our muzzle loaders. We're going to shoot you. And then we're going to kneel down while we reload and the people behind us shoot instead. And we know that for every, you know, hundred soldiers we have, we're going to lose X number on each line every time. Like there's a certain way things have been done, but we won the Revolutionary War because we were quicker. We were more nimble. We thought outside the box. That is in our DNA, people. That is who we are as a country. That's who we are as a people. And we need to embrace that in the insurance industry specifically because we can compete with anybody. Companies like what Enable's out there doing, what Yellowbird's doing on the risk management side, what Mod Advisor's doing with regard to experience modification audits. I can go right down the line of all the technologies that we use right now at Florida Risk Partners to provide an outstanding client experience. And every single one of them makes our life better. But the thing is, we're committed to using the tech. We're committed to making the investment to start out with, number one, but then making sure that our people implement it. And I know that we've talked about it on the podcast, but you know, I'm going to continue to talk about it. We believe in tech and getting it into our clients' hands so much. I literally created a full-time position in my agency for someone to make sure that our clients and our prospects are getting the access that they need to our tech stack, and then monitoring those utilization reports to be sure that they're even doing it. Where's the return on that? The return on that is more business because you're delivering something other people aren't in your segment of the insurance marketplace. So you'll get referrals from your clients to their friends who aren't getting that from the people they're working with right now. 
Number two, you're going to get more profitable business in the book you already have because you're actually delivering tools to people that will help them be more profitable, drive their loss ratios down, which then allows you to make more money and higher profits in your agency through contingency and profit sharing bonuses and all of those things, which is what I'm betting on. My bet is that Abby is going to be so good at getting in, getting into these businesses, getting them to adopt our tech, and then actually monitoring the utilization that we will write better loss ratios, higher profit, We'll make plenty of money on our contingencies and more than pay for the investment that we're making in her. But that's an investment that I know we have to make because otherwise we're no different than anybody else out there. And I think everybody listening to this podcast right now can say that at some point you've bought tech for your agency and you haven't used it. And at the time you bought it, you thought it was going to be the game changer, but you didn't make it a priority and it became easier and easier and easier to just let that $99 or $199 a month continue to come out of your checking account. And in some cases, you've been doing it for years and yes. spent thousands and thousands of dollars and not gotten any return on it. So all that to say, I appreciate people with the entrepreneurial spirit like what Kabir has and the fact that he is bringing his skill set to our industry which he's been in, but specifically, as my good friend Scott Howell would say, he's bringing the hay down to where the goats can get to it. We can actually learn what's going on in our agencies with a quick snapshot and then really drill down from there. And it just makes us better operators as a result. So thank you for that. And I look forward to seeing you know how this begins to change because it is going to change an industry. I would argue with you, man. You said you said that one one company can't change an industry. I would say that Apple's changed the computer industry, right? I would say I would say that uh, Microsoft has changed the operating system portion of that. Google changed online. Amazon has changed e-commerce. One company can change it, people, but we have to be willing to think about think big enough to think that our company could be the one. Your agency could be the one. Are you the one that's limiting your growth because of your own belief system? And that may be the case, in which case I can't help you, but the mirror can. Look in it and ask yourself every morning, what can I accomplish today? What can I do to push the envelope to a level that I never thought I could before? And you'll be amazed at the results you get in 2024. Kabir, thank you so much for your time with us today. I appreciate you jumping on and recording. This has been an awesome episode. Now, what's the best way for people to learn more about Enable? Um, I know that they can go to the website, but how how do you prefer that they they reach out for a demo or to just go and poke and prod around and learn more? Very simple. If you know Ryan Dietz, send him an email or it's sales at enable.com. And I always make fun of the way Enable is written. I call it the Indian spelling. E-N-N-A-B-L.com. <laughs> there you go. There you go. E-N-N-A-B-L.com. Enable. He's Kabir Syed. He's the CEO and founder. And we are so thankful that he is changing things up for all of us. Everybody else, we'll catch you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.